Well, good morning and welcome again to St. Paul's. My name is Tyler. Uh, it's great to see so many new faces here. Happy New Year to you and thanks for joining us today, uh, both here and for anyone joining us online. We're glad to be your New, Year, new Year's resolution. Before I begin, would you pray with me, please? Gracious and almighty God, we pray that you would show us the face of your son, Jesus, today. We seek him, and we ask it in his name. Amen. So happy 2023. Can you believe it? That doesn't even feel like a real number. Glad to see you all today, and glad again to see so many new faces. Today we're starting a new preaching series called Joy in Everything, and for the next seven weeks, I think, we're going to be going through the biblical book of Philippians through the end of February, looking at this text that's constantly talking about joy and rejoicing. Joy in everything. Are you a joyful person? It's a real question. Are you a joyful person? Because I'm not sure that I am, to be honest. When we developed this sermon series, I thought, like, yikes, I'm not sure I'm the right guy to kick this off. Because dispositionally, nobody's ever accused me of being too cheerful and enthusiastic. And I'll be honest, if, if I were sitting where you were sitting, I'd approach this with some skepticism. Like, there'd be part of me that would be like, joy in everything. Well, then, like, why aren't religious people happier? <laughs> uh, or um, joy in everything, like... Well, what about when life is really hard? There can be a kind of totalitarianism about this religious joy, like I'm supposed to walk around feeling smiley all the time, like with all the stresses of work and family. I say this simply to acknowledge that I think a lot of us are coming to a series called Joy in Everything, maybe secretly thinking like I would take just surviving in everything. I'd take keeping my head above water in everything. Joy in everything, how do I do that? But I suppose all this depends on what you think joy is. If it's next level happiness or something else altogether. Is joy something you can experience if you're not particularly happy? Is joy something can, you can experience if you've got anxiety or you're depressed? You still find joy in everything. As the great Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said, in any definition we may give of the New Testament joy, we don't go to the dictionary, we go to the New Testament instead. So let's look at Philippians. And I'd encourage you to follow along in your pew Bible or your Bible app. As we begin, a quick digression to give us context to help us understand what it is we're reading. This is a letter from the early evangelist and church planter Paul, the namesake of this church, to a church that he'd planted in the Greek city of Philippi around A.D. 50, a couple of decades after Jesus' resurrection. And he's writing this letter in around A.D. 62 um, to the church that he planted, and he's writing it from prison, probably in Rome. The letter he wrote to the Philippians was preserved and shared for its theological teaching and gathered in what would become the Christian Bible. And, and this letter, more than any other Paul's letters, is just so uniformly positive. You can tell how much he loves the Philippians. He talks about joy and rejoicing through the whole thing. We're going to be making our way through Philippians over the next weeks, and today we get the introductory material which sets the stage for the main content of the letter. In verses 1 and 2, Paul opens his letter with the standard format of letter writing. He tells who's writing to whom. So Paul and Timothy, that's Paul's right-hand guy, servants of Jesus Christ, that's who they are, to all the saints, that just means all the Christians who are in Philippi together with the bishops and the deacons. So he's just naming the church officials here. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is Paul's standard greeting in all his letters. It's basically his version of, I'm sorry for the delayed reply and I hope this email finds you well. But these aren't just throwaway words. They tell you what he's fundamentally about. Grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus. He's wishing the Philippians grace, meaning an experience of the favor, the goodwill of God. And he's wishing them peace, the, etern- the internal peace of those who have experienced grace. They aren't just throwaway words because it's not a given that there is a God, is it? It's not a given that if there is a God, that God loves us. And that's why the fundamental message of Christianity is called the gospel, which means good news. What we say here in church, week in and week out, isn't just obvious to everybody. It's news. It's good news in the midst of the ongoing bad news of the world. The good news that God has shown God's love for us by giving God's Son, Jesus Christ, to live and die for our sakes, to forgive our sins, to take away everything that keeps us from God. So grace and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus, is about the Coles notes of everything Paul ever has to say. So it's no coincidence that this gospel message is directly related to how Paul understands joy and wants Christians to understand joy. Look at the next set of verses, 3 through 5. In paraphrase, every time I think of you, I thank God, praying for you all the time with joy. And why does Paul constantly pray for them with joy? Because, verse 5, the Philippians sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's always giving thanks to God for the Philippians, praying with joy for them because of their consistent fellowship in the gospel, that is, the good news of God's love and salvation through Jesus Christ. Paul's joy is a response to the Philippians' partnership in the good news. He's not experiencing happiness or general appreciation or good vibes. He's experiencing joy. Keep this in mind and let's keep reading. Verse 6, Paul says, The God who's working in your midst is not going to leave the job undone. There's more in store for you Philippians before Jesus comes again. And it's right for me to think all these things about you, Paul says. Verse 7, I'm justified in thinking about you like this because even though we're separated physically, we're united spiritually. You hold me in your heart. You share God's grace with me. There's grace again. Paul's grace, both in my imprison- God's grace, both in my imprisonment. Paul's in jail, and he sees that as God's grace. More about that in a minute. Both in my imprisonment and then the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It's God's grace. It's God's goodness that the good news of Jesus is thriving. And verse 8, Paul longs for the Philippians with the compassion, the love of Jesus. It's Jesus who holds them together. So he wraps up verses 9 to 11. Paul's prayer for the Philippians is that their love is going to continue to overflow with all the wisdom and discernment so they will be a harvest of righteousness before Jesus comes again through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. All right. Let's pause here to recap because I went through that fast and it's a lot. Paul opens his letter by telling the Philippians how dear they are to him. Because for years they've been such reliable and consistent partners in the gospel. That message of grace and peace. He's confident God's going to complete what God started in them. He and the Philippians are united in heart, mind, and spirit in the gospel they share. And because of this, he's always praying for the Philippians in joyful thanksgiving. And it's this joyful thanksgiving that I want us to focus on out of what we've just read. 
Because remember, we came to our text this morning asking, what is joy? What does it mean? Where can we find it? And in a nutshell, I think we're seeing it here. It's that Paul's joy is a response to God's grace at work in the Philippian church, which is their faithful gospel partnership with him. Like, I could imagine Paul in his prison cell praying like this. God, thank you so much for giving me friends like these. Thank you that you haven't left me alone in this work of sharing your good news. God, it is hard. You know it's hard, but you've given me my friends in Philippi, these brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. They hold me up, and I know it's you working through them. Year in and year out, the grace I proclaim to the Philippians, it's that same grace that sustains me through them. It's you, God. You've poured grace into my heart, and my heart overflows with joy. Thank you, God. Thank you. I love you. Paul has joy because he can see God's grace in the gospel partnership of the Philippians. He looks at their friendship and doesn't just see a natural relationship. He sees the working of God in the world, God's goodness, God's kindness, God's favor. He's responding to grace. I don't like it when preachers get too precious about the original biblical languages because God's word is meant to be translated and understood. But in this passage, there really is something worth noting in the original Greek. Because the Greek words for joy and grace and rejoicing and thanksgiving are all related. They all share a very common root. And without getting too technical, I think that a reasonable understanding of biblical joy is that it is the emotional response to experiencing grace, followed by rejoicing and thanksgiving as the resulting actions. When we recognize grace, we experience joy, and we respond with rejoicing and thanksgiving. And this is important, I think, because it helps us understand the difference between biblical joy and happiness the way we usually think about it. Joy isn't opposed to happiness, but it's not just happiness taken to the extreme. Because I've got a measure of control over my own happiness, don't I? It's not totally up to me, but there are things I can do or not do in my life that will make me more or less happy. But joy has a different source. It's how you feel when you're walking through life and out of nowhere run face first into God's love. And because I don't control God's grace, I'm not in charge of where it shows up. There's always going to be an element of shock, of surprise, with this goodness that I didn't even really know could happen. Like, I didn't know this was possible. Like, I couldn't have dreamed this. You just know it when you feel it. And if joy is the mental and emotional response to grace, then joy, like grace, will always be surprising. Joy, like grace, will always feel like a gift. And that's what makes it different from happiness. Because happiness is the warmth of sitting in front of a fire that I built. But joy is the warmth of turning my face to a sun that God put in the sky. Which means that even if you're not generally happy, you can still experience joy by encountering God's grace. That's exactly what's going on in the second half of our Philippians reading. Just to paraphrase verses 12 to 17, Paul tells the Philippians that his being locked away in prison is actually helping spread the good news of God's grace in Jesus for several reasons. First of all, his captors all know why he's in prison, and they're talking about this prisoner who loves this guy Jesus so much that he's putting his neck on the block for him. And second, with Paul being in prison, others have been emboldened to step up and preach the gospel. And the funny thing, Paul says, is they're doing it for mixed reasons. Some are so inspired by his imprisonment that they're just fearless 
with the good news of Jesus. And others, who've been jealous of Paul's prominence, see an opening for their own star to rise. Paul concludes in verse 18, what does it matter? Just this, that Christ is is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. So Paul's in jail. He's probably not happy, but he's rejoicing. He's responding in joy because he sees how God is moving through his hardship. He sees God's grace, and he sees that it's precisely his chains that have set the gospel free. It's the surprising grace in a situation that he never wanted and doesn't particularly enjoy that surprises him with joy. So that's joy, the feeling of encountering the always surprising grace of God's favor, God's love. But I wouldn't want you to walk away from this thinking, well, if joy is inherently surprising, if grace is out of my control, then there's nothing I can do to bring more joy into my life. Because yes, it's true that you can't force God's hand, but God's grace is always all around us. The world is full of grace. We're drowning in grace all the time. So even if we're not experiencing it, it's not that God's gone AWOL, it's that something is distracting us or or blinding us to the grace that's all around us. Instead of everything that, taking our attention to something else instead of everything that God's doing in the world. The way to increase the joy in your life, whatever your circumstances are, is by paying attention. You can have more joy in your life with intentional attention, by directing your mind and heart to the ways that God has been good, and then naming them. The ancient spiritual masters of the early church taught it was best to focus on developing one virtue at a time. So for the first few weeks of this new year, for the duration of this preaching series, I invite you to pursue a focused cultivation of joy. Whether your life circumstances are happy or sad, or easy or hard, and based on what I've seen in our scripture, the essential thing about finding joy is that you don't get it by looking for it. That's what makes it different from happiness. Joy comes obliquely. Joy always strikes slant. The only way you find joy is by looking for grace. Which means the essential practice of cultivating joy is a regular and daily recollection of God's goodness in our lives and responding with rejoicing and thanksgiving. Following the success of our daily Advent daily prayer devotion, we've got a small booklet to help you develop that habit of daily prayer in the new year. It takes you right up to Lent and at the end of February and then we'll debut a new resource. You can pick that booklet up at the resource table or download it from the church website and maybe part of your prayer discipline is giving time every day, whether it's one or five or ten minutes, to look back through your day with like grace goggles, so to speak, to see where God has been at work and where you've seen Jesus felt the Spirit. And to rejoice, to give thanks, like we imagine Paul praying with joy for the Philippians. And God's been so good to all of us. At the first church where I I started uh, my work in ministry, people would routinely pray, God, thank you, you got me out of bed this morning, because not everybody made it up this morning. And thank you, you put shoes on my feet, and you put water in my mouth, and you gave me food, and you gave me friends around me. You gave someone to smile at me on the way in today. You gave me warmth when so many are cold. Like, we've gotten here by God's grace. There's just so much to name and to celebrate. Of course, prayer is just one aspect of our rhythm of life, the five spiritual practices that orient our life here at St. Paul's. And starting next Sunday, we're debuting single sessions. You only do one of them. We just have a lot of opportunities. You only do one single session rhythm of life workshops 
which will be hands-on ways of making the rhythm of life concrete for you. And we're hoping everyone in the congregation takes one of these. You can sign up online. Because the more you orient your, every aspect of your life around the good news of Jesus, the more you're going to see God at work in every hour of every day and find joy in the process. But you can start literally right now. Because you can't find joy by looking for joy. You find joy by looking for grace. And you find grace most fundamentally by looking at Jesus. Because no matter what else is happening in life, nothing can take away God's love for you in Jesus. It is deeper than any suffering. It will outlast any hardship. And in just a short while, we're going to celebrate communion right here, also called the Eucharist. Eucharist from the Greek for thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, that word that's so deeply related to joy and grace and rejoicing. We call it Eucharist, Thanksgiving, because at the table, we retell the story of Jesus' last night with his friends. And we remember with bread and wine the body and blood that Jesus gave for us. The endless fountain of grace in which we live and move and have our being. And one of my favorite things about being a priest, bar none, is serving communion. To all of you. I know your faces when you come up. Because I get to see the faces of people receiving grace. Everyone's different, of course. Sometimes we're distracted. It's not always a transcendent experience. Sometimes it's a little bit of a drive-through. But every week, without fail, I see it on someone's face. The bafflement of grace, the astonishment of a joy that is the longing to meet God. That here in this small piece of dry bread and this small sip of sweet wine could be the fullness of God's love for you. The recognition that God took on flesh and gave that flesh for you and then all the spiritual blessings of that ancient sacrifice by which your sins are forgiven, God now gives to you as food and drink. Body and blood given for you, given to you by the Spirit as bread and wine. The life of joy begins here by rejoicing and giving thanks for God's fundamental grace which is the self-offering of Jesus Christ. The life of joy starts here because the bread and wine you receive on Sunday morning will teach you how to see grace in all the other hours and places in your week. The Eucharist will give you eyes and ears to see and hear the spirit of Christ at work. It will give you a taste for God. And listen, if you're not yet a Christian, if you're not baptized, not receiving communion, but something in you is moving, do not resist that. If you're feeling a spiritual hunger, breathe deep and cultivate it. Why not today? Give your life to Jesus. We would love to pray with you. Because this promise of joy in everything is for everyone. Amen.